Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, the show that teaches you how to survive the things that can kill you. Like your school board meeting. Ugh. Or when the air isn't safe to breathe. Mm-hmm. How about when your parachute won't open? Ay ay ay. And the things that just make you wish you were dead. Like a toilet full of rats? Ugh. Sorry, Danielle. Showering at your old school. <laughs> or New York in the 80s. Mm. Brings things back, doesn't it? It sure does. Oh, Those toilet rat days. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of toilet rat days. Yes. Let's play the theme song. Whoop. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, IRL. Yeah, you get to hear it twice. Three. I've now said it three times. I'm going to, oh, that, yeah. I, I thought you meant me saying IRL. I've said it three times now, and I think i got to stop because it's horrible. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say it's horrible. <laughs> I love your new bangs. I don't have bangs. No, it's, you said it in the voice of like, I wouldn't say it's horrible. Oh, got it, got it, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? We do need to start later. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're starting later than we normally but do. But even later. Later. Okay, later. You know what? Later. I didn't have much coffee. So oh, okay. And I thought I was going to have time, but it didn't work out, and here we are. So oh. water it is. Water it is. Just regular water. I'm like living like you today without coffee. Yeah, no no, no caffeine. You look cute. Thanks. So do you. We're both wearing our collared uh, sweater preppy look. Little collars. Mm-hmm. Where's your collar? Yeah. Oh, I. Uh, it's white, you know, because I do white collar work. I don't Oof. even know what that means. Oy, oy, oy. Honestly, did someone <laughs> get him a coffee? Yeah, I get, yeah. Let me just, hold on, let me just. Oh, he's drinking Celsius. I know it's so gross. Oh, I can feel the comedy. Oh, you can feel it. Can is feel that it. what Celsius is good yeah, for? It the I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not okay. sure. <laughs> Ooh, I want to say because 
it's we are going to go on a break, but it's not yeah. going to be a break really to our audience. Right. But we are all going to go on a break. Right. I want to say happy pride. Happy pride. Happy pride. To, yes. every, to those who celebrate. Yes. Guys, I don't want it to sound like a competition, even though kind of it is to say who's being best at pride. Oh. But I did go see Rufus Wainwright live, which I think is. Is he gay? The, he's the gayest. Oh, and okay. That is maybe the gayest thing you can do during pride. Yep. It probably is. I mean, he has a Judy Garland cover album. So Wait a I'm second. Sure. I'm sorry. Remind me who he is. It's He's one of those people I know the name. He sings but I like cigarettes and chocolate milk. He sings, ba- do you know that song, Baby? He covered Hallelujah, I think, for the Shrek. Is he yes. the one? Oh, He's, okay. I can't believe you don't know who he is because he's I know so his, theatrical. Yeah. His and sister had a big song out a years she ago. Did? Mar- Martha Wainwright. Isn't that his sister? She did backup at the show. I mean, I she definitely know his name. I just don't know He's, who he is. You would love seeing him oh, okay. live. He's so theatrical, and his voice—he—he's written an Italian opera. Oh my god! He sings real. He has a an amazing voice. He can't. He his entire band was in. They were all in caftans <laughs> and socks, and he's okay. very you know funny and you know is he british he's not but oh. he could be okay that name he comes from a big musical family and and he's from the folk tradition and he has a lot does has a lot of folk in his repartee he had a lot of um surprise guests come out shaka khan came oh out oh my god andrew bird came out and they did a neil young song which was beautiful i don't know andrew bird oh i love andrew bird weirdly he was in a season of fargo and i was like you wait act who was he in? i've seen all the seasons he of fargo. was the husband in the season i think that i didn't end up watching because it was the chris rock one Oh, and okay. I just wasn't as interested because so I don't like was... mafia stuff. He's white, and he was married to a black woman in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So his music's wonderful. Okay, great. If, if you ever want to just put it in your Spotify and listen to Andrew Bird, some of it's a little bit wacky and experimental sounding, and some of it's very, you mm. know, standard. Not standard. I wonder if I would like a Neil Young song if Neil Young wasn't singing it. Oh, my God. I love Neil Young I so much. I cannot stand his voice. Oh, I love I it. I cannot stand it. God, I love Harvest Moon. I think it's one of the best albums ever made. Mm-hmm. I know I'm in the minority. That's okay. I don't like Bob Dylan. I'm not, I don't have any and feelings I, I about think, Bob Dylan. I think, he's, I, I think he's a great songwriter, but I don't really want to listen to him sing. Yeah. So I get, but I love I get it. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and I guess Young, me too. because they're harmonizing and you don't hear just Neil Young's voice by itself. But by itself, it just makes me want to crawl up a wall. I get I get why you would say yeah. that, because I think it's it's one of those voices that's not traditionally... Nice Good. on the yeah. ears, but I, I still, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. No, lots of people lots do. Lots of people do. Um, anyway, so the gauntlet has been thrown down. Beat me for being better at okay. Pride. Garen, I think you, you know, the best thing, the gayest thing you could do is have gay sex. Yeah. Did you have gay sex this uh, month yet? Not this month yet. Okay. Are you planning to? Fingers crossed. Okay. All but right. I mean, is there, is there something <laughs> on the horizon? I, I've got there. I don't know. Well, you have to like, if you want to beat bizarre. me and Danielle. You're, oh, you know, you've um, got to beat seeing Rufus Wainwright live. I've I've watched every season of British Bake Off, and <laughs> no, I don't think that's gay enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I might be the gayest one here. I'm watching Mary Tyler Moore. Um, yeah, you're racking those points. I will say this: even as a child, I thought I'm saying as a child being home sick from school and yes. watching Mary Tyler Moore, I thought. Murray is gay. <laughs> there is no way Murray is not gay. So which one's Murray? I'm sorry. The the one in the office with her who's not 
Lou and not not Ted Baxter. Probably. Well, he's not. He has a wife and children on the show. But I said to... That's how it was to be gay, though, back then. I know, but there's... I don't think you're supposed to think he's gay. I just think he's... I think he's actually the weakest part of the show. I don't think he's a great actor. Captain Stooping. But um, Uh. when I said to Oliver... I said to Oliver, you know, as a kid, I always thought Murray was gay. And he goes, he's not? Because we hadn't met his family yet? I was like, no. And he was like, oh... Like, he thought so, too. But was, what's his face, gay? The actor or yeah. the character? I don't the actor. the actor was. Gavin McCloud. I don't think he was but either. I think, I think he really was gay. Co- like You think it was? It was. Meant to read as gay? I think so. Do you think that that was on purpose? Because I mean, there were a lot of still gay in the in show business. There were a lot of, you know, gay writers and gay yeah. producers and gay actors and that was the safest place to be gay but they many of them still weren't out but they could have made him single and just not into Mary or something but they didn't so there's nothing really alluding to that he's gay like except that he his behavior seemed gay or his, his acting he's he just seems very effeminate Okay. It's nothing written in it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just the it's just what he the brings outward to it. appearance. But they're yeah. also effeminate, effeminate straight men. Yeah. Also, not they then. were afraid to do gay stuff on that show. Like, not. I mean, Rhoda dated a gay guy, and they, it was the first oh, time really? they ever said gay on the sh- in television. I didn't know. That. I, oh, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know why they. I guess it's different to reference a yes. guest actor than yes. it is an actual main actor. And also, there's like. A man of the week every week. Like Mary yeah. seems to fall in love and then you never see that person again. It's really sad. It's not sad. It's just weird. Yeah, I just wonder. But I never thought he was gay on, on Love Boat. I mean, it's the same actor and he's got the same. But I never thought Captain Steubing was gay. But I, I always thought Marie was gay. I don't think I realized until just now they were the same person. When I realized it as a child, I was like, my mind went. I, my mind is doing that right now. Because. Like, Holy shit. I was like. I don't under, even even though I loved Love Boat, I knew it was terrible, and I was like, I don't understand how did this actor go from one of the best sitcoms of all time to the Love Boat? Like I didn't understand how it worked. And Gotta I work. Was, yeah, yeah. It's and good gig. He got more years on the Love Boat probably than on Mary Tyler yeah. Moore. So and he was the lead. But anyway, I love that you knew that Love Boat was terrible. I, I knew. I didn't. I think I knew. Yeah. I didn't know. But I, I thought it was trash that it was enjoyable. I didn't know. When I was little, I didn't know if things were bad or not. I just knew what I liked. Yeah. That didn't develop until. It's still developing. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I still need you to tell me. <laughs> I'm here to point out everything that's terrible. Thank I'll you. I'll think of how I'm contributing to pride in a in a in a second, I'll, I'll try to figure something out. You know what? I think you're doing good work right now. You know, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I brought in some gay guests. <laughs> That's all. Oh, I can... <laughs> that, couple, that couple in a row. That matters. You know, we want to. We want to um, bring in. We want to bring in and represent. That's important. Um, yeah. All let's, right. Let's get into it. So I have no segue. Okay. Uh, for that. So. Let's just get into how to survive a parachute rip. First, I'm going to get into some fun, weird historical facts about parachuting. Love it. That I don't think you guys know. All I'm right. sure I don't. I'm going to tell you this guy, André Jacques Gagnon. He was the first. Chinese? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the 1700s, he was a French balloonist and he invented the frameless parachute. So. Oh, okay. He... 
started experimenting with early parachutes with an umbrella-shaped device, and he carried it onto like a hot air balloon. Or he was okay. actually not 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 exactly. I'm I'm getting it a little bit wrong. So he made this frameless device, and he had it on with a gondola. So he's in a little basket. Mm. The first one was silk. In mm-hmm. 1797, in Pac Monceau, I'm totally butchering that, Paris, he had it attached to a, a balloon, like a, a kind of a yeah. hot air balloon thing. And then when he got up 20, uh, no, not 20, like 500 feet, he snipped the rope that he's attached to okay. the balloon and c- comes down in his... So he jumps out of the balloon? No. I'm not explaining it well. I'm sorry. I'm going to try again. So imagine he's in a little basket. Yeah. His basket has a, a, a string, you know, rope right. tied to his umbrella-shaped silk parachute. Okay. There's a, another rope tied yes. to the balloon. Right. He goes up high. Uh-huh. And then at whatever feet, 500 feet, he cuts the rope attached to the balloon. To the hot air balloon. And Got then it. floats down. Got it. Wow. So here's the stuff that I think is interesting about him. In, he announces in 1798 that his next flight would include a woman as a passenger. Whoa. And the public and the press are like, what? What? <laughs> no, it can't be done. <laughs> but the officials of the Central Bureau of Police are like, you, want, you need to appear in front of us. We are really concerned that this reduced air pressure might affect the organs of the delicate female body. And what if she Un- faints? Be- <laughs> Is that so terrible? If someone faints? A woman fainting? Oh, my God. Danielle. They fainted all the time because of the clothes they were put in. Like, that was a common occurrence. It was because of their delicate organs. Oh. It well, wasn't smushed with, yeah. with whale bone. We can get you at 17-inch <laughs> waist. Yeah. Um, oh, plus the moral implications of flying in such close proximity. Okay, well, that I understand. Exactly. Sure. So the police issued an injunction against him, and they were like, Whoa. Sorry, nah. Okay. So he goes, all right, I need to talk to the minister of the interior, the minister of the police. They overturn the injunction because he's like, this is no more scandalous than seeing me and her, you know, get into a carriage. Mm-hmm. That would be OK. It's just a, a it's mode just a of transportation. Carriage in the sky. Sure. So they do it. Everything goes fine. And he continues to do some of these. It goes higher and higher, you know, in his little parachute. And uh, he just snips and loses that. that par- he must have been very wealthy. He's just snipping oh, parachutes left and right. The French. <clears throat> I mean, so, not parachutes, um, hot air balloon things. Yes, just- he's snipping off of these and he changes to canvas. You know, he goes higher and higher. Guys, I'm going to tell you how he died. You'll <laughs> well, never guess. guess. <laughs> <laughs> On August 18th. On 18 August, 1823, at the age of 54, Garnier was working on the construction of a new balloon. While walking around the construction site, he was struck by a falling beam, which killed him instantly. No. He didn't even die in the sky. No. Oh, shit. I had to share it because I am always, like, struck, Mm. pardon the pun, when someone dies in such a stupid way. Stupid way. When you know, you know, in that if he didn't even see the beam coming down, but I just feel like he would have been like, <laughs> "God damn it!" 
I swear I was going to die in, the, in falling to the ground. What a dumb way to die. I like that you told that like it was a drunk history. That was great. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that show. You don't know drunk history? I mean, I've heard of it, but I never watched it. Oh, it's so funny. It's really good. I okay. mean, it, not, you know, some episodes are better than other, but the premise is they get a comedian or a comedic actor yeah. to study up on one thing. Yes. Very much it could be the beginning of, you know, um, uh, parachutes. Yes. And uh, they get really drunk. Oh. And then over the course of the evening, they tell the story. Yes. As they're super drunk with the yes. hysteric waters. And then they show what's happened with actors. They have like, they, you know, full sets mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. and they do it, but they mouth the words of like what the guy is saying. That's funny. what the speaker is saying. Yes. So you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. So am I ex- explaining yeah, it? Yeah. Well, yeah. So you just, they're not really talking, but they're mouthing the words of, you know, and then he said, I can't believe that beam's coming. And then, you know, like they would mouth those words. Oh, that's It's really well done. Yeah. Well, I am drunk. So that tracks. Okay, good. Not drunk enough. Right. <laughs> would you like to know how dangerous skydiving is? Yeah, I would. Okay. Because I have some data. Okay. You know, it's popular. A lot of people like to skydive. The data is limited. Hmm. However, I found a study that evaluated the injuries and fatalities. The most common injury sustained by recreational skydivers involves the lumbar spine and lower extremities. Mm. The injuries most commonly reported, obviously, it's during the landing. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, you're getting caught in the ropes or something. Yeah. Okay. Fatalities occur in less than one Per 100,000 cases. So less than one person dies. It's like a half death. Okay. You have a half death. (laughs) So there's a half alive person. I don't understand how you came to that. Per 100,000. But why is it half? Is that what it said? It's less than 100,000. It's less than one person. One person. Okay. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Serious injuries requiring hospitalization and less than two. Okay. So one person doesn't require house. One person goes to the hospital. Another person is like, I got hurt. I'm not going. Right. They probably don't have good insurance. <laughs> you are yeah. more likely to die from, here we go. I love these. Yeah. Lightning strike. Okay. Dog bite. Oh, my God. That might happen to me over the weekend. It absolutely might. Wasp sting. Mm. Bike accident. Oh choking or motor vehicle crash. Wow. Here's a thought experiment. Pick which way you want to die. <laughs> What if you're eating on yeah. something and then you jump out the airplane and so you choke midair? Ooh. And then um, when you land, you land on a bicyclist and you're choking. And so you kill the bicyclist and yourself. That, you get all three. I mean, that sounds better than the beam falling. At least you have a good story. Yeah. You know, your ancestors have a good story yeah, to tell yeah, about yeah. you. Yeah, right. I want to provide them with a good story. Right. However, what, if you had to pick something to choke on to die, what would it be? Brie. <laughs> So fast. I love Brie. Oh my God. I fucking love Brie. Oh, That's so pretentious, but oh, no. it's so good. Garen, it's Pride Month. Cock? Uh, I'll, I'll, of course. Certainly. Check on it. I am interested in this wasping. Wasp sting. Wasp sting? Is that so, like a rich white person insulting you? Is that what that that's is? That's it. Oh, that hurt when oh. you laid. Made you fun of my purse. Yeah, the co- that comedy isn't that Celsius. <laughs> All right. Like Brie, too. And when it's baked. Mm. Oh. I just like it, you know, with a really good, crusty Italian bread. Oh, my God. Now I want brie. I don't think I've ever had brie. What? Oh, my God. We're bringing it to the next bonus uh, Wait episode. a second. Are you kidding? 
I don't think I've ever had brie. Shit. I, I am a hillbilly. Yeah, but you live my in Los Angeles. My cheese comes in a bag. You have you my have, cheese comes in a bag. What kind of cheese? Oh, you're buying like shredded, shredded cheese. cheese? Okay. That has you know that has uh, wood pulp in it. Well, why shredded cheese to keep has- it from molding? Oh shit! Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Even if it's organic. Yeah. Well, I don't think wood pulp can hurt you. It's organic wood pulp, though. That's all right. Some I'll live with it. In there. All right. So next bonus episode. I don't know who we're, our guest is. Yeah, I'm we will bring Brie, Brie with crackers, and I'm bringing the 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 what it, what do you eat it with the um not jelly but you know like oh like a jam some kind yes. of jam like the fig jam oh yeah good, good pear and it's oh, gonna yeah. be whole charcuterie yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna do it up let's do it so all right so we've all figured out how we're gonna die um, yeah I'm gonna pick. Let's see, dog bite, wasp, sting, bike accident, choking, motor vehicle crash, lightning strike. I think, I think wasp sting. Yeah. Because I feel like you just, you get bitten and then your throat closes up. It's quick. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how quick it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. I it's that quick. So, according to WikiHow, one of the first fears people, first fears of people who consider going skydiving is the fear of their parachute malfunction. Of course. But I'm like first fear isn't this the only f- like yeah f- only fear well like, maybe what are the others maybe you have a fear of getting tangled up okay or it it i don't know or it ripping. you're right you're right you're right but yes of course that's your fears that it wouldn't open okay don't panic okay says ron bell or as we like to say remain, remain calm. calm he's from the united states parachute association uspa for short a main parachute malfunction, on average, happens about one in 1,000 jumps, which to me seems high. Mm. That does seem actually really high. One in 1,000. Fortunately, though, you can use your reserve parachute right. to land on your feet unharmed. But you have to be thinking. Uh-huh. Okay, here's my question, and maybe you're going to get to this. If yeah. you tandem jump, right? you both have chutes, right? I no, no, I think no? just they only have, he has a shoot. He, only yeah, he or she. You're strapped to them. Oh, okay. All right. Like you're on their. Well, like that's the only way I would do it. I yeah. think. I love my story. Oh, okay. Sorry. My story's going to be right up. It's, it's it's not monkey. It's not monkey ripping the balls off. Chimpanzee. Of a man. Oh God, I said monkey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pretend we edited that out. It's not chimpanzee ripping the nuts off of an old man, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> All skydivers are equipped with a reserve chute. Unlike the main, which may be packed by an experienced diver, a.k.a. any old loser, a reserve chute can be packed only by an FAA certified operator. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, this, so the skill level is higher. Okay. This extra precaution ensures that the parachute will be properly positioned. Mm. As Bell, he's the guy I mentioned earlier, likes to remind new skydivers, the reserve chute is there for a reason. If you feel unsafe, don't be afraid to pull the ripcord. Okay. So if anything feels weird and you're like, I don't know, what's you going know on? You know what? Wait, that's a good point because maybe you don't even know if it's opened because like you can't see behind you. And if you don't know the sensation. Yeah, you just, something feels weird. You just, he oh, says, listen to this. Well. You're going to like this, guys. Okay. Because it's Pride Month. When in doubt, whip it out. <laughs> Love it. Although it doesn't track sexually, because I would say when in doubt, don't whip it out, right? Yes. You don't want to be a me too. Yeah. (laughs) So 
Okay. When in doubt, whip it out. All right. So, all right. I was going to ask a question about. Uh, oh, I know. When you pull the cord, mm-hmm. the initial cord, you do feel like a jerk, right? A I little think so, bit. Because so I mean, you would when you know. see video, it looks like people kind of kind of go straight up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. This this is even better. This is like okay. I mean, I don't really personally. I don't ever want to skydive, but if I was forced into it, like somebody, I'm on a plane and yeah. it's hijacked, and somebody has a gun to my Ooh. head. Ooh. This makes me feel better. Right. Even if you're knocked unconscious. Your mm. odds of surviving a parachuting accident are pretty good. Okay. Modern rigs are usually outfitted with an automatic activation device, or AAD. They love their acronyms. Yeah. Skydiving. Man. Which uses computerized sensors to monitor the diver's speed and altitude. So if you get to 1,000 feet above ground and you're at a speed of 78 miles per hour oh. or faster... The AED automatically deploys the backup parachute. Oh, so okay. So it senses. It's like, wait, okay. why is this person? So even if you don't pull the cord, yes, for the the, the backup. backup, it will automatically deploy. It's, if if you're, you know, so you want to check which company you're going with, and you can, yeah, you can ask if you're going to skydive. You can say, does this have an AED yeah. device? I like it. If your reserve also fails. Hmm. There are even tactics that you can use to improve your chances of surviving oh, God. a free fall to Earth. Oh, God. All right. Are you guys ready? This is when we're getting into it. Mm-hmm. When it's, you know. The shits. The shits have hits. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the saying? The shits uh-huh. have hits? I think so. put that on our list of merch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the shits have hits. <laughs> okay. Get in the breakaway position. If your main parachute is malfunctioning or has become tangled, it's important that you can break away from it before deploying your reserve. So they're going to talk a little bit still about this as if it's going to happen. Or else the reserve parachute may become tangled. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again? Okay. So your main parachute's malfunctioning. Yeah. Or it's tangled. You want to break away from it before deploying your reserve. How? I'm going to tell you. Okay. To get in the breakaway position, spread your legs to reduce your velocity, velocity, right, and keep your head up with your back arch. Yeah, I I did one of those you know mall things once where you oh you did yeah where you like sky pretend zone to or, yeah okay not, not sky, sky zone, zone but yeah you pretend to parachute yes and that's the position they have you do it's harder okay. than it looks at least for me it was it sounds like it'd be really loud it seems like yeah. it'd be really you loud. have I think you have um like headphones on was it fun. I'm trying to remember. I think it was fun, but it was a little frustrating that I couldn't get in the right position. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, it was fun. When they say arched back, this is what I was confused about. Do they mean like if you're in cat-cow, is it arched is rounding like, your spine? Or, no. Okay, arched so is boobs your, forward. Your boobs forward. Except okay. in this case, it would be boobs to the ground. Okay. So being in the wrong position could get you entangled in your main chute. You must break away at a minimum of 1,600 feet to allow you enough time to fully deploy your reserve, as if you know yeah, how, how many earth, feet away right. you're from the Earth. Okay, don't try to remember that. That's silly. Look and reach for the breakaway handle. Make sure you take the time to look down at the lever that you're pulling. <sighs> okay. The release is typically found on the right-hand side, but you should talk to your skydiving instructor before you jump. Grab onto the handle with both hands and prepare to pull. The breakaway handle will look like a cloth loop on the strap of your parachute pack. Okay. Okay. So, 
like they should have this really easy. I mean, obviously they don't. They better not have a bunch of pools where you're like, right. okay, this one. Oh, uh, this one this blows is, you to smithereens. This is a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> this is this one is the pudding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know your it's pudding fountain snack, comes course. out in case you want. Yeah. <laughs> pudding fountain. Yeah. This one is a is sparklers. Yeah. Confetti for celebrating. I think it's a cord for the main one and that little loopy doop for the other one. I think you're right, and I hope. I hope but so. I, I still would get confused. I know I would. Oh, God. Pull the breakaway handle while looking at your reserve handle. Once you pull the breakaway handle, throw it away. Wait, wait, what's the so difference between now we're breaking littering. Oh, oh, the breakaway. Okay, got it. So you're getting rid of the first. Yes. Got it, got it. Okay. Keep your eyes on the reserve handle. When falling at incredible speeds in a high-stress situation, you are more prone to become nervous or confused. Oh, Really? I honestly can't think of anything scarier than this. I, I really can't. Uh, no, uh, a, uh, being in a shark's mouth, a hip, oh, <sighs> being swallowed by a hippo, maybe. But like, I think I'd prefer those two situations over this one. Falling freely from the sky. But but you know what it is? It's that the control is in your hands, which would calm most people. But that makes me more nervous. Having the control. Yes, that it's up to me. You have to be the... I have to have my wits about me and... You're the full adult here. You're the only adult in the room. In the sky room. In the sky room. Right. Keep your concentration on the thing you must do next. Okay. Jesus Christ. The breakaway handle will release your main parachute so that your reserve does not become entangled. Got it. It really seems scary to have to let go of the main parachute. Even if it's fucked up. The idea that you're going to go, well, I'm going to let you go. Okay. You do not have to pull the breakaway handle if your main parachute did not deploy. Just pull your reserve ripcord. Wait, say it again. You do not have to pull the breakaway handle if your main oh, if parachute it just never... did not deploy. Okay. It just... just pull your reserve ripcord. Got it. Just let it rip. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So with both hands, pull the reserve ripcord and deploy your secondary chute. Mm. That reserve... might be the end of it for me. If I <laughs> yeah. pull that lever and nothing happens... Yeah. I... You're just gonna like be like. You're just gonna. I'm gonna fall. I, I think. I think. You're gonna my, wily coyote. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I would even. I would panic to the point yeah. where I would forget probably that. You have I a think, secondary. I bet you they drill it into you a yeah. hundred times. They do. They have to. I feel like they though must. there's a good chance I could pass out from fear. That too. Right. I would. Like, I would only lose. do this tandem. There's no other way. With a professional ins- instructor. Here comes the story that. Oh is no! Okay. Okay. More. Got it. Right. Okay. Okay. Use the steering cables to get into the landing position. Look up to make sure that your reserve has successfully deployed and prepare to land. You'll have less time to prepare for your landing, so execution is crucial. So you're going to assume the landing position. Point your feet to the ground with your heels up, and try to absorb the shock from landing with your legs. Use the steering cables to your left and right to guide you. Oh, oh, you can steer you can yourself. Steer. Oh, that's cool. Now, doesn't it sound fun now? Yeah, it does. Now you want to do it. Can you just be jumped up from like a, jump out from like 100 feet? <laughs> I'll look into that for okay. you. Find a suitable place to land like an empty field. Oh, here's a good tip. Avoid cliffs <laughs> or other dangerous objects like power lines. <laughs> or porcupines <laughs> or cactuses. <laughs> Or rhinoceros is looking up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Are you ready to find out what happens when both don't open? Mm. Number one, remain calm. Mm. Okay. Does this happen? 
Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. It's natural to think the worst and prepare for death, which we know is what Garen's going to do. Mm-hmm. First, regulate your breathing and clear your mind as you're falling. <laughs> clear your mind. Like, oh, guess what? I can't do that when I'm sitting cross-legged on my floor <laughs> listening to fucking, like, the Calm app. In the most serene of circumstances. Yeah. Do you think I can do that when I'm falling from the sky? I've never once cleared my mind in a no. yoga class. Never Has once. Has anyone ever cleared their mind? I don't know. Inhale deeply through your nose and out of your mouth. That's mm. what they're saying to do. And then we're going to align our chakras. Right. Okay. <laughs> Spread out your body in an X. Mm-hmm. Emulate the skydiver pose and try to get as flat as possible horizontally to reduce your speed. I think we this is... We did talk about a, this a little bit when we had a falling episode way, way, way back. Oh, yeah. But this is very um, good to remind us because right. everyone's about to go skydiving after they listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. The front of your body should be facing the ground and your arms should be raised above your head. God, I wish we were being filmed right now because I'm saving people's lives. I know. So that you achieve the most drag that you mm-hmm. can in your situation. Arch your head and back upward. Okay. Aim for marshy, wooded, or snowy areas. (laughs) Aim. Yeah. Wait, no, you're going to. Oh, you can steer yourself. Oh, you can? I'm going to tell you how to do it. You'll remember all this. All right. Oh, just think about how fast you're falling. Yeah. Tree branches or snow can help absorb your impact and slow your descent before you make contact with the hard ground. (laughs) You're aiming for a tree? Yeah. You are. Okay. Avoid Avoid hard objects like concrete. Buildings. Where are you dro- dropping from? Maybe, maybe you're going to go towards a city. Okay. Aim for hilly areas. Wait, not cliffs, but hilly areas. Yeah. Okay. Steer left or right by lowering your elbow and leaning into the direction that you want to turn. No way. That's what it says. Okay. You know what I think? They go. We just say this so yeah. people feel like they, they have, have control, control as right. they're plummeting to right. death. To move backward, bend your knees and push your arms forward. To move forward, straighten your legs and put your arms to your sides. Who is going to remember this? No one. Okay. No one. (laughs) I forgot it and I just said it. (laughs) Get into the skydiver's landing stance. As you approach the ground, you want to adjust yourself so that you land on your feet. It seems like you wouldn't want to land on your feet because you'd break your legs. Yeah, but but you're protecting your vital organs, supposedly. 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 One of of those. They're both words. We already looked this up. No. Unacceptable. I don't care. That's true. (laughs) Put your feet together with your heels up, just like Dorothy, and pointed toward the ground. Flex both your knees and hips to prepare for your pelvis to be shattered. (laughs) (laughs) Put your hands to your sides if you must land in a body of water. If you are free falling, this isn't you. This is a time when, not like the chimps, you do not want to be in the water. Oh. If you are free falling over a body of water and can't aim towards a marshy or wooded area, you must tighten your body and fall feet first. It doesn't. It seems counterintuitive to tighten your body. Yes, because you would, the velocity would be greater and you'd go way deep into the ocean. If you're if you're like a pencil, yeah. If you're tightening your body, yeah. you're going to go in faster because you don't want it to harder. Hit, you don't want it to hit like concrete because water becomes concrete if it's too high up. Uh, water becomes concrete? Water becomes concrete. Okay. Put Fact. that on your shirt. Water becomes concrete. <laughs> it's flying off the shelves. Fall straight with your hands to your sides and your feet close together. Land on your feet. We said that. 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 Okay. Protect your head and roll if you can. That's a lot of information. 
That's how you survive. Okay. Have fun skydiving. Are you guys ready for a story? More than ready. Who guys, get ready. Okay. I'm going to um, cut some of this out because it's really long. It's from Cosmopolitan, and it's called... How to Parachute with Fashion? <laughs> parachute pants are coming back in 2023. <laughs> the Girl Who Fell from the Sky. How I Survived a Skydiving Accident. I um, would encourage everyone to go to read this entire thing because I'm going to cut some parts out and I, there won't be a newsletter right now. So Wait, what did you say it was from what magazine? Cosmopolitan. Okay, I've heard of it. Uh, how I Fell from the Sky. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is in her voice. Emma Carey is her name and she is from Australia. I was so excited. I'm not going to do the Australian don't accent. Don't do it if you, you don't want. It's going to be insufferable for me. I was so excited when I set off from my home in Canberra, Australia, to go on a three-month trip around Europe with a friend. I had planned all sort of bucket list-worthy things, including doing a skydive over the Alps in Switzerland. Whoa. I'd always wanted to do it in that exact spot, so I couldn't wait to get up there. I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I wasn't nervous at all. I went first, diving out of the plane with an instructor strapped to my back, and it was exhilarating. We fell fast, but because I'd never done it before... I couldn't tell anything was wrong at first. After a while, I noticed the parachute hadn't opened up. So I asked my instructor what was going on. I got no answer, but the wind was loud, so I assumed he couldn't hear me. We kept falling, plunging straight down at high speed, and there was still no sign of the parachute. Why isn't he answering me, I thought. When I turned around to look at my instructor, I realized it had all gone terribly wrong. As it turned out, Both the normal parachute and the emergency one had come out of the backpack (gasps) at the same time and had become tangled. One of the cords had wrapped around my instructor's neck and strangled him unconscious. I panicked. He obviously couldn't untangle the parachutes, and I couldn't do anything to save us. So we just kept falling really, really fast. Excuse me. I was certain we were about to die. We were going so fast. How could it be possible to survive something like that? It seems obvious, but all that was going through my head was, I really don't want to die. Until that moment, I'd never really appreciated my life. I had just taken it for granted. We continued plummeting, and it felt like forever. We were dropping at speed, but I had so much time to think. Oh, my God. And then we landed. I hit the floor first. I think she means ground. Yeah. Because it wasn't inside. (laughs) She just, just like Batman, just went through a skylight and landed into a warehouse. Bed, bath, and beyond. (laughs) With, I hit the floor first with my instructor still strapped to my back, and all I could feel at first was shock. I'd survived. How had I survived? I felt such gratitude to still be alive. We'd landed in the middle of a field just meters from a concrete road. Oh. The paramedics, the paramedics later told me if we'd landed on the road, we'd both definitely have been killed. My mouth was full of blood, and my whole body was in the most intense pain <gasps> I'd ever felt. But I knew I had to try to get help. The instructor was still on my back. And I thought he was dead. Yeah. Though I would somehow have too. he survived too. Okay. So I tried to roll over to get him off of me. That was how I discovered I couldn't move anything from my stomach down. Oh, no. Not my legs, not my toes, not my abs. I couldn't even roll over. I couldn't move anything and I couldn't feel anything. And it was the most devastating realization. A minute ago, I had been totally fine. Now I was paralyzed and probably wouldn't ever be able to walk again. It was horrible. I remember feeling in that moment like I just wished I had died in the accident. A short while later, the friend who jumped after me landed with her instructor. They must have seen what happened and followed us down, where they rang for an ambulance, and I was airlifted to hospital. 
I'd broken my pelvis and shattered my teeth. Oh, I broke oh, my. Oh. Sp- mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I broke my spine in two places and suffered a spinal cord injury. That was why I couldn't move the lower half of my body. Yeah. But on the outside, I barely even had scratches. Huh. I can't remember it because I was on such strong painkillers at the time. But during my first week in hospital, I was telling the doctors and nurses to kill me. Oh my god. Yeah. My mom and sisters had flown over, and the consultants told us I was a paraplegic and was unlikely ever to walk again. I was beside myself. I didn't know how I would cope living life in a wheelchair. When I came off the painkillers, my attitude started to change. I was still devastated, but at the same time, I thought, this is what I've got to deal with. I'll find a way to make it work. I didn't have a choice. I was just going to have to do what I had to do and get through it. After a month in hospital in Switzerland, I was allowed to fly back to Sydney with my family, where I stayed on the spinal ward of a hospital for another three months. I did physio every day to try to improve what little movement I had. And somehow, very slowly, I started to see progression. Over the course of the following year, I began to be able to move my feet, and then my knees, and eventually my legs. What? I couldn't believe it. I stayed positive and began walking. Within with a walking frame, and it all went from there. Soon I was walking with two crutches, then just one, and miraculously one day, with the physios right behind me, I took my first steps on my own. Everyone on the ward was there watching me, and we were all just shocked. I don't know how or why I learned to walk again. I think it was just a mixture of luck and determination. The lasting effects of my accident are permanent. I walk with a limp. Some of my muscles still don't work. I don't have feeling from below the level of injury. I can't feel my legs, my pelvic region. I get tired easily. But the biggest change I've had to adapt to is my loss of bladder and bowel control. I have to use catheters to pee because I can't make myself go at all, and I have a lot of accidents. It took a long time to get comfortable with, but I've got used to it now. And it's just become the new normal. All my friends and family know, and I pretty much tell people within about five minutes of meeting them. If I was embarrassed about it, I can't imagine how hard it would be to live. (laughs) Day to day. I can go ten times a day peeing myself. (laughs) I've never been ashamed of it. It's just something I have to live with, so I started being open about it online. And uh, the response I've be- gotten has been amazing. That's wonderful. Um, let's get this. I've had to grow up fast over the past four years. So this was four years ago. Uh-huh. I had originally planned to go on my big holiday around Europe and then come home, go to uni and get a job. But when I came back, everything changed. I couldn't work. My whole life was about recovery, going to physio and getting better. I lost a lot of friends in that time. Aww. It sucked. But in hindsight, it was good to see who would be there in a hard time and who wouldn't. One of the main things that has changed is the way I view my body. I used to think of it as an object, something you look for, look at for physical appearance only. But now I think about how my legs can take me from place to place and how my arms enable me to write and draw. I think of all the things our bodies do for us rather than just how they look. I don't really let the little things bother me anymore. I feel a lot calmer and happier and everything seems a lot clearer, like nothing really matters. I remember so clearly thinking in the hospital how I had a choice. I could either dwell on all the things that I lost, that I can't run or feel my legs anymore. I could just think of all the things that I still had. I still have my arms. I still have my eyesight. I can still do so much. And that's incredibly lucky considering I could so easily have lost my life. Holy shit. Wow, that's extremely admirable, her attitude. Even even when she came off the painkillers and was like, well, this is what I got to do. I don't, I cannot say I would have the same attitude. That's extremely impressive. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, she just decided I've got to live because this is what I've got. Well, that was horrifying, but fascinating. That's what I bring. I know. I love it. (laughs) And uh, we'll be back right after this. Great. Welcome back to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. Danielle. Christine. Tell me 
something I don't know about you. Oh my god. Um do you know about my fear of rats? <laughs> um, uh, do you want to see a cute picture of a rat? No. My son, I, I think I've made it pretty clear I don't. My son said, wouldn't it be funny if you sent a video of Danielle, uh, to Danielle of a bunch of rats? That's hilarious. That's what you should tell do. Tell him to stick to cooking and not comedy because that sounds horrible. I'll tell him. All right. Um, do you know that there's more rats <laughs> in Los Angeles than in New York? Is that true? That is true. Okay, well, let me... Let They're me... mostly at my house, I think, most of them. All right, let me... We'll get into... Do you, the... have, do you, do you they, have to deal with rats? They live in the palm trees. Those beautiful palm trees that you see on the palm-lined drives yes. on Beverly Hills and that they show, filled with rats. Is that true? Filled with rats... God's truth. Are they Egyptian rats? Because the palm trees, you know, are from Egypt. I know they're they not, are not from native here. to yeah. California. They're Norwegian rats in Egyptian palm oh, trees. Oh, that is a fish out of water story. <laughs> yes. Or a rat out of water story. It's a Benetton, a United Nations uh, <laughs> city. <laughs> Just in your tree. Danielle seems to think, well, I know we, know, we should introduce the guest, but Danielle seems to think, I don't know, that she doesn't have rats where she lives, but I'm like, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah, I said I've seen a couple of rats near my house, but they're not, I don't have ivy, so they're not like, you know, circula- circulating around the house 24 hours so a day. Are you, are you saying I just need to rip out all my ivy? Yes. I don't know. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm saying. I do want to get rid of the ivy. I hate it. One time we opened our <laughs> Okay, barbecue. wait, let me introduce you. Hold on <laughs> No, I don't want, I want to say this right, pre-introduction. Okay. All right, say, okay. okay. One time we were, <laughs> one time I was going to go barbecue some veggie burgers probably uh-huh. and went to the backyard and opened Mm-mm. the barbecuer <laughs> there was a rat no. sitting right in it and he hissed at me <gasps> like <laughs> and then scampered off and I looked in the I hadn't used the barbecue in a couple of weeks and it was just filled with rat turds oh. so I had to clean out a rat turd infested barbecue nest and so where do you live now? <laughs> alright on the first half of our show we talked about free falling from a parachute and now we are talking about the free for all of new york in the 80s with rain wilson nice are you kidding me danielle come on was that a good transition oh or what that, that, that use of because i heard christine pitch that yeah and i wasn't sure how it was going to work and you just i just landed it took it you and i just the landing. yeah like god with a clump of sand is that what yeah. you made yeah. people out of a clump she of sand my Can't mess play. yeah and she's like a master right. sculptor. Free mm. fall to free for all was yeah. just deftly. Thank you. Deftly. Beautiful. Well, of course, you know Rain from The Office. And of course, you know him from a little podcast called Terry Carnation. Dark Air Dark with, Air Terry, with Carnation. Terry Carnation that I wrote on. And that's how I met Rain. Um, but he also has a couple of new projects. He's got a book out called Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution pretty clear why we need one i think yeah the evidence is out there yeah the world's a mess the world's a freaking disaster and you have a tv show on peacock called rain wilson and the geography of bliss is that the same what what is i don't know what the show is tell me what the show is the show is thanks for doing your research uh (laughs) this is not an interview show all we do our research on is things like rats falling parachutes (laughs) um new york in the 80s that is yeah uh, Rain was in the Geography of Bliss is where I go around the world, uh, and instead of sampling delicious foods, I'm looking for happiness. Oh, that's Ooh. fantastic. And what brings us joy, and then learning myself, and also bringing what I find on the road back home to the viewer. I love that's that. so lovely. I'm excited to watch that, and I yeah. have Peacock, so I can watch it. Yay. Yay. Is it, is it, has it started? 
Yeah, it just dropped uh, two weeks ago on Peacock. Oh, I'm very excited to yeah. watch this. Your story takes us to New York. Yes, it does. In the 80s. Yeah. Okay. So you are, you're not from New York. I'm from suburban Seattle. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So suburban Seattle kid moves to New York to try and become an actor in 1986. All right. And it's interesting because now in 2023, I can't believe how long ago that was. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> um, it was such a different city. Mm. So, you know, when you told me about your show and I was thinking about what I have survived and it's like, what's the hardest stuff that I survived? And it's like, you know, I survived, I survived New York in the late 80s. I survived New York when it was in a free fall and it was (laughs) a free for all. (laughs) And it was, you know, Let's not forget that in the late 70s, New York City went bankrupt. And right. it was the first major American city that went into bankruptcy, literally. That's why I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. This I think that was 76 or 77, something like that. Is that Koch? Or is Koch later? No. It, Ed Koch was... Uh, when I moved to New York City, it was Ed Koch okay, years. Got it. So I was there, and Ed Koch would walk around at public events, and he would literally say, "How am I doing? How am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Ki- I'm not kidding. It's, like you saw him in person. It was you? like a sketch from like Thirty Rock or like Vice or something yeah. like that. Like, but he was like, "How am I doing? How am I doing?" I went and saw some concert in Central Park, and he and he literally went through. How am I doing? How am I doing? It was like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I also saw Rodney Dangerfield in the late 80s walking up to his comedy club called Dangerfields on like 1st or 2nd Avenue. And I was taking the bus and he was walking down the road and he was like he was on stage. It was it was like it's it's what actors should. It's how I should be from playing Dwight. Uh I should walk down the sidewalk and be like. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Fact. Fact. Beats. Question. Beats. And just like be saying that to people. But, but Rodney Dangerfield was walking down the street going like, he wasn't saying how am I doing, how, but he was like, hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, how are you? How are you? Yeah. No oh. respect. No respect. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like he said. He threw out his catchphrase. Oh, but I love that because. Yeah. He was sort of a sad figure. He 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 got fame very very late in life, mm. and he I don't remember rapping Rodney. Of course, yeah. Do you remember rapping Rodney, Christy? I don't. I remember oh. him from movies, but I don't remember this specific. There was a song. What's the matter, Rodney? No respect. No respect. It was on the radio. No, it Whoa. was it was a top Terrible. ten hit. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I know you're too young, Garen. But... I remember the Eddie Murphy hit because he had. Oh, a, remember, yeah. I had his cassette tape. Yeah, where he had like actual up hit music. My girl likes to, to party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. And it was like people were taking him seriously as a legitimate yes. musician. Yeah. Well, he really he he really suffered from that syndrome of. Musicians want to be actors. Actors want to be yes. musicians yeah. thing. And uh, yeah, he has a good voice, but no one was asking yeah, for that. They were like, just keep yeah. telling yeah. jokes. I don't remember Rodney's, though. It's hideous. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's... No, it's cl- it's it's classic. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's like it's like the on. curly shuffle. It's, you know, it's a... What is it called? A um, Not camp, but... I'm imagining the video is at a swimming pool with a lot of women in bikinis. <laughs> probably. And high heels, yeah. a lot of big hair. Yeah. some of that. It was probably like back to school. Yeah. yeah. Novelty. It was a novelty, novelty song. Novelty song, yes. Okay. It was yeah. like, where's the beef? Right. Around that so, time. So, 
so late 80s, when I moved to New York City, let me paint a little bit of a picture. There's, it, it had been bankrupt. The city had been bankrupt. Then there was the cocaine years. Yeah. Let's not forget. Like, Your cocaine years or the city? Well, that, putting that aside, I, I, had, <laughs> I had more like cocaine months, but that's a different oh, that's topic. that's good. So, but, but from like 80-ish, 81 to like 85, 86, right in there was the, was that's the whole like, whenever you watch a show about cocaine and stuff like those were the years yeah, it was yeah. getting brought in by Colombians right. and through Miami and on barges and it was just everywhere there were piles of it at all of the clubs and right. everyone was snorting their way to a new tomorrow you know yeah and I was too broke to ever do cocaine. Well, I did some later on when I dated a Coke dealer, but that's another. <laughs> I mean, you might as well get the benefit of dating a Coke dealer. So that's the perks. Right. Right. Um, what are the benefits of uh, being married to a, a comic? A comic. I get to use this studio. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good. I have a funny kid. But you do. You do have ador- an adorable kid. Um, I'd like to hang with your kid sometime, and don't take that in the wrong way. No, I, <laughs> I, I don't take way. it in the. I, yeah. I think he would genuinely enjoy hanging out with you, yeah. and perhaps vice versa. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So there were subway tokens. So you'd have to when you'd ride the subway, right. you'd buy a pack, a little plastic pack of ten tokens, yeah. and then the subways were covered in graffiti, mm-hmm. right? So they weren't all cleaned up till later on. You know everything. Uh, Dinkins, I was with, there in Koch, and then there was Dinkins, and he wasn't a very good uh, or effective mayor. And then Giuliani came in, and people forget that, like, in the 90s, Giuliani presided over the total transformation right. of New York City into a much more safe, vibrant, and more livable place before he became a raving lunatic, lunatic yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and idiot, fascist. Uh, uh, idiot fascist. But he actually was really lauded for turning the city yeah. around. Now, how much did he actually have to do with that? I don't know. Was it just kind of right place, right time? I mean, all cities go through a lot of different ups yeah. and downs. It isn't necessarily the president or, or right. the mayor, right? right? So, but, but that transformation, being an outsider, I mean, I live in L.A., but that transformation of what my images of, you know, dog day afternoon New York yep. and then present day New York is so extreme. The Disneyfication yep. of New York, I guess they called time or the Disneyfication of Times Square or yep. whatever. Um, and I know some people resent it, that it's that it's that much different. But it is such a uh, such a hugely different. When, when I moved to New York City, Times Square was like taxi driver. Right. It was burlesque houses. Mm-hmm. It was dope addicts in the gutter. So was it a huge culture shock coming from Seattle? Huge. To, I bet. Huge. Were you? I mean, you were really young. Were you scared? I was, I were was you... 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I had only lived, I had lived a little bit in suburban Chicago. I'd done a year of college in Boston, but that was kind of rarefied. And all of a sudden, 1986, here I am living <laughs> in Greenwich Village. And it was, it was a free for all, yeah. as yeah. we were saying. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, so it was a pretty crazy time. I saw some really uh, messed up stuff. And, you know, like I said, cities have their ups and downs. Right now, New York is back in a in a down swing. You know, there's a lot more crime these days. Mm-hmm. And there's fentanyl issues and homelessness yeah. issues. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. People are pretty fed up uh, in New York, most of my friends that are living there. But it was, it was pretty crazy in the 80s. And, you know, um, I survived it. I... Um, I was attacked several times. Um, Physically attacked. Yeah, I was. Uh, 
I lived uh, to save money. I found with a friend an apartment in East Harlem, okay. uh, which is Spanish Harlem. And it was on the verge of being gentrified, but it was mm -hmm. definitely like crack epidemic. Whoa. Uh, Pre-gentrification. And that was the other thing that I wanted to mention. So we went from bankruptcy to cocaine to then the crack epidemic. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, hey, let's figure out a way to make cocaine in a factory and make it like one-tenth of the price. Yeah. Right. And we can just spread it out on the, on the street. So th it was... The first of the drug like epidemics before yeah. opi opioids and yeah. now fentanyl and stuff like that where, you know, you'd get these cheap rocks, they would call them, mm -hmm. and you'd see crack pipes on the street everywhere you'd walk. Not everywhere, but in Central Park or mm -hmm, down dark mm -hmm. streets, there would be broken crack pipes yeah. everywhere. So crushed glass yeah. was part of the cityscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you know you have to take your... take. Keep your the shoes life on. seriously when you're, there's glass everywhere. I lived in New York uh, in 1991, and oh, okay. just for a year, and um, I do remember seeing crack pipes on right. the ground, going, "Oh, that's a crack pipe. Got yeah. it." There were there were a lot of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so w our apartment was broken into, uh, and uh, a bunch of stuff was stolen. Um, one time I bought a car on the, uh, cause I bought it for like $300 and I was going to like fix it up. So I, I just wanted a car and I bought this car and it was just a big Chevy piece of junk car. Mm -hmm. And I parked it in front of my apartment in East Harlem and I came out in the morning, literally the next morning and it was up on blocks. Wow. It was Jesus. on cinder blocks and it had been completely stripped from top to bottom. The tires oh were my gone. God. The engine the, the hood was open, all the wire, the battery was stolen, wow. the cables had yeah. been ripped out, the interior, they had smashed a window, yeah. taken the, the crappy radio. Right, anything, anything they could get any Anything, a crowbar yeah. that like, oh, here's a crowbar that probably cost $3. Yeah. I mean, not a crowbar, a tire iron. Oh, uh-huh. And, and, you know, I didn't, I was just like, well, that's that, and I just left it there. Yeah, yeah. what it, are you gonna do? And it sat there, I'm not kidding you, it sat there for six weeks. <laughs> Wow. I wasn't going to call a tow truck because I wasn't going to pay for it. Right, I'm yeah. like, well, the city will just pay. And I hadn't registered it yet. So, oh, so you didn't have. Okay. So the There's VIN no, number no wasn't paperwork. under my name. Yeah. So I was like, I just counted it as a loss. Okay. And, so I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. These times where you were attacked. Yeah. So you're a tall guy. Yeah. I wasn't, How were you? I'm a tall, beefy guy now. Back then, I was a tall, beanpole guy. Okay. Yeah. But still. But yeah. But so. I was in the neighborhood, the first time I was attacked, I was in that neighborhood in East Harlem. Uh, we lived on 103rd and 1st Avenue. Uh, and I would take, no, it was 105th and 1st Avenue. And uh, my girlfriend was living there with me and my friend uh, John. And I was, she would get off work and she would call me and say, I'm getting off work. I'm going to go get on the subway. And then I would walk to the subway and then walk her back home, right? Smart. So I went... And as I was walking to go meet her at the subway, there was a gang of kids, about 18 of them. Oh, all, my God. <laughs> all about 12 to 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Very young. Yeah. Like your Jesus. son's ages. Yeah, yeah. And they were just running around what they called wilding. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I went down in the subway and they, they took a homeless guy and they threw him on the subway tracks. Oh, my God. Holy shit. And he just missed like the third rail. And I witnessed oh, this. Oh, my God. And then there's a, the MTA employee in the subway booth mm -hmm. just like, 
I don't even know if she like called the cops or anything. Yeah. She just like was witness to this. Just another day for her. And they were running around and then they would run by someone and they'd just start hitting them with stuff and throwing bottles at people. God, and it's like Clockwork Orange. It really it's, was. It's... And um, uh, and then and then there I am and I'm kind of hiding and then the sure enough the train comes in and there comes my girlfriend and my friend John happened to be with her that night and they get off and they're like, hi. And I'm like, shit, what do I do? And like, it looked like the kids had run off. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'm not going to tell them about this gang because yeah. I don't want to just freak them out. You know, maybe I'll tell them later, but let's just get out of here. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, let's go. And we walked up the stairs. And sure enough, at the top of the stairs, there was the gang of kids. <laughs> and my girlfriend was Chinese New Zealander. Okay. And my friend John uh, was uh, Mexican American. And me, I was this tall, six foot tall white bean pole in East Harlem, and we walked through them, and it was silent, and I was like, oh, oh fuck. No. And we walked down the road, and then, sure, I was like, I was like, come on, please, please, God, let us go through, let us, maybe they'll leave us alone, maybe we, we stick out too much, and they'll just leave us alone, and no, I heard footsteps coming up behind, and I was like, oh, shit, and then, wham, I got hit in the back <gasps> of the head with a stick. Oh. The kid had a, had a, had a big meaty stick. Wow. And to this day, I'm so grateful that it wasn't a pipe. Because yeah. I would be dead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they swung my friend John around and started punching him. Two or three guys started punching him. They left my uh, girlfriend, Catherine, alone. And I just was like, run! And I just <sighs> took off down the street because I had seen what they had done. And they were <sighs> they were kind of chasing me, throwing bottles. And there happened to be a cop car right there. Oh. There just happened to be yeah. on 2nd Avenue, a cop car in front of a bodega. And I ran up and knocked on the door, opened it. We all piled in. They gave chase and the, and the kids just scattered. They were just, Jesus. they just disappeared. So it wasn't even that they were trying to get your money necessarily. No, they were just They're out to, just to be violent. mix shit up. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so wow. we uh, moved out uh, <laughs> as quickly as humanly possible yeah sure and that was that was part one and should i go through my sure well i want to we want to talk about how we survived this yeah i also want to know if you did you said earlier that you did some theater did you do theater there at this time i was going to nyu at the time oh you were a student i was a student at nyu why weren't you living on campus too expensive no the campus was really i started living on campus and it was really expensive and Part of the reason we moved up there was it was cheap. I was paying like three hundred dollars for my bedroom. Mm. We had Mm. a yeah, it was a two bedroom, and we were each paying like three or four hundred dollars. Oh, so you had to constantly be on the subway. Yeah, because it's it's yeah, but it wasn't that bad. It was it's the same subway. It's the six, so I took it all the way from one hundred and third down to Astor Place, and I was at NYU, and it was uh, twenty five minutes. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that bad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I just meant that there's danger lurking on every car and, and and everything. Yeah. The subway, oddly, was not that dangerous back then, although I did see a guy pull a big meat cleaver out once. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's like that yeah. eyes. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. and it's interesting because nowadays if something like that happened to someone, you'd be like, oh my God, you're so traumatized. Right. We need to get you into therapy. <laughs> yeah. right. And you need to do EMDR. You have to <laughs> yes. process this. Yes. And, right. But back then... It was par for the course. It was just like... Yeah, people get attacked, people get mugged, deal with it, move on. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go like right back the next morning to acting class and 
I remember be, I remember my head hurting for days. Oh, yeah. God. I didn't even go get checked for a concussion or anything. And I had to go like act and sing and dance right. and do Alexander technique and clowning and you know, <laughs> circle, you know circle in the square after being like almost killed yeah. on the street. Yeah. You know, use it, use it. I was just gonna say that. So do you? T- oh, this is the question. Do you tell your parents that this happened? Oh yeah, I told. Oh, I you told did. Them. Yeah. And were they like get on a plane right now, or were they just like, eh? My parents were pretty checked out at that point. They're like, oh, that's too bad. Oh no. <laughs> You know, this was the opposite of helicopter parenting yeah. back uh-huh. then. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, nowadays, like if you all were the moms, you'd have oh. flown in yes. that night. Oh my God, oh. And you would have hugged your children, yeah, and held in. them close. I live next door. <laughs> you're you're in the dorm room next yeah. door, right? Yeah. Here's your hot cocoa. <laughs> um, let's get net. Let's stream some Netflix. <laughs> but. Uh, um, yeah, so it was it was um trauma wasn't really talked about and you know I've never in in talking about my book uh Soul Boom I mentioned a little bit in there some he- mental health issues that I uh-huh. had in the 90s and people didn't talk about mental health issues in the 90s like anxiety I had anxiety attacks and you know I went to the doctor and he's like yeah People sometimes you get anxiety attacks. That's what uh, happens. <laughs> you just live with it. Yeah, I just live with it. You know, I was depressed and couldn't get out of bed for weeks and like wow. yeah, oh yeah you're kind of you probably just dep- you're sad now you know and then, <laughs> this um, is your life now but the other time i got uh attacked was then i graduated and it was 198 it was the summer of 89 and it's the summer of 89 <laughs> classic um <laughs> and i was doing shakespeare in the park i had just gotten out of nyu and I, I couldn't sleep, and I was living in Chelsea, and Chelsea now, like, became very fabulous yes. in the late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, upscale. Back then, they were selling drugs mm. uh, outside on, like, 16th and 8th Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was not a great uh, neighborhood. Anyways, I was walking down 7th Avenue, and um, I saw these guys outside of their car and I was like, my spidey senses are like, something's up here. And they were kind of scoping. Mm. And they were out gay bashing. Oh, wow. shit. And uh, they tried to gay bash me. I I didn't happen to be gay. Right. I didn't talk to them about that. They didn't, I didn't really care. <laughs> I, they didn't I ask looked, for your card? They didn't ask for my gay card. And I took it as a compliment that they thought I sure. was gay. Because gays are better looking. Better dressed. face it. And uh, classier. So... Because they uh, called me several gay slurs and started, uh, one guy punched me kind of on the side of the head a couple times and then I ducked some punches and then they kind of came after me and then I just ran and they got in their car and they chased me. Oh my God. Yeah. They were really committed. They were really committed. So I dashed across 14th street and then I went the wrong way up a one way street. I think it was like 13th street. Uh, And then I hid under a staircase in an apartment. It's like a movie. And, uh, and I just stayed there for like 45 minutes. Just, this was like at two in the morning. And I was like sweating. It's terrifying. And, um, and this was just, and then I would tell people about it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> happened gotta, to me last year. But were you, yeah. were you panicked at, the, yeah. at that moment? Yeah, yeah you had I to was, be, right? I was breathing. I was totally adrenalized, just sweating. And uh, it was it was, it was was rough. And I, you know, I'd gotten punched on the side of the head and stuff. And, Jesus. you know, but it, that was the weird thing about it was like, 
just it, no one made any kind of big deal about it. Like you just <laughs> yeah. like, I got attacked last night. I got gay bashed. They called me that F word. I don't yeah. think you can even say it in that context. And, you know, I got punched and like, what are you going to do? And people are like, oh, man, that sucks. Oh, they're like, yeah, yeah that's your initiation for living in the city. Yeah. The other the other story I'll say is that 1990, we moved out to uh, near past Williamsburg, almost to Brownsville, Brooklyn. And I was living in an abandoned beer brewery because I was broke, guys. Yeah. I was yeah. broke. I was I was not a trust fund actor at all. Like I was like month to month, hand to mouth. I was constantly uh, just trying to figure out a way to kind of hustle some money and get by. Did and you have like normal day jobs as yeah, you were trying to act? Many jobs. Waiting yeah, jobs. Yeah, I was and stuff waiting like... tables. Uh-huh. I was catering. I. For a while, uh, for a long time, I had a moving van. I was a man with a van. Oh, nice. And uh, that worked out pretty well. But my friend John and I, we moved to this abandoned beer brewery out in Brooklyn. <laughs> and the guy said he was going to fix it up into artist lofts. And he wanted to get some artists living there as he was fixing it up. We realized later, oh, that was a tax <laughs> write-off. If he had oh, said he had people okay. living there, then he could Got it. be spending money for and save on taxes or whatever. But we moved in. There were rats everywhere. Nope. No heat um, and no shower when we first moved oh, in. Boy. So it was, essentially, we were squatters. Right. Yeah. We were like, did you pay rent? Squatters. No, we didn't pay oh, rent. Oh, okay. So would you like go to the Y or something to shower? I would, uh, I, I didn't even do that. What I would do is I would pack my shower kit and a towel in my backpack and I would go. I'm doing air quotes. Visit friends at NYU. Uh, yeah, I found out there were showers and there was a shower in the basement of NYU that I would go use. <laughs> okay, and I still had my student ID, yeah. and I did that for a long time. I went to the NYU gym for a while, but I would also swing by. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was a girl that we were like maybe gonna date, kind of. There was some, but I would like knock and I'd be like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> Because this is before texting too, so you would yeah. just you would just stop yeah, by yeah. and say hi yeah. and be like, "Oh, hey, you know, um, I didn't get to take a shower. Do you mind if I?" I was using her for her shower, right? Essentially, <laughs> so I used a lot of people for their did showers. Did it take her a while to figure that out? Like we never even have sex, but he showers every time. He's so clean. Yeah, um, <laughs> love this guy. He's so clean. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't even remember what happened there, but um, but anyways. We couldn't, the front door to the loft had a dog on a chain, like Cerebus. <laughs> and you could get by the dog if you just went along the wall and he would lunge and he would be like a foot and a half away from you. Oh my and God. it was like a Doberman Pinscher. <sighs> yeah. In its the most terrifying dog. Living in its own poop. And we oh, called Animal. What the fuck? We called the Humane Society yeah. multiple times yeah. on our own landlord yeah. to say, yeah. hey, this is inhumane. And then, um, so we didn't want to go in that door. So the only other way into our loft <laughs> was to climb up on an old loading dock door. So you'd climb, you'd scale the side of uh-huh. the building and unlock this door that trucks used to back up right. to. So it was about six or seven feet above the ground. Okay. And uh, and we'd go in that way, and it would it would slide open, right? And um, one night I had a. Uh, I had a a date, mm. and I was very excited about this date. Yeah, and so I put on my best clothes in my dusty, dirty, rat-infested squad, <laughs> and I went to go open the 
sliding door. Uh-huh. And there were a bunch of, again, New York kids out there. <laughs> oh, no. And they started throwing bottles. I don't know what it is about throwing <laughs> bottles. <laughs> but they were throw they started throwing bottles at me. Oh my god. And I think they had even like firecrackers and it was throwing oh some firecrackers. God. Jesus. And so I couldn't get out of my own oh, loft, no. but I had this date. And we didn't have cell phones, right? I mean I had a phone there was a phone there. We did have a phone, but I don't know. I was like so I So it's either the killer dog or the killer teenagers. Well, even the if even if I went past the dog, I'd still be go out in the front of the building, and they were out oh. there in the front of the building. Oh, you surrounded. So I, had to, I had to figure out how to get out of the back of the building. Yeah. So I went. Um, I scampered my way through this enormous warehouse. I mean, it was an old beer brewery. It was like three or four floors, and multiple rooms. We hadn't even explored the whole oh thing, my God. right? But the roof was incredible. You could go up to the roof, and the views were insane. Yeah. And I was like, I got to get to this date. And I, I made my way out of an old, like, fire door or something like that. And there was, like, a lumber yard. And I slid down a dirt embankment <laughs> into this lumber yard. And I was walking through the, lum- the lumber yard. And then there was a security guard. And then the security guard is like, whoa, what's this, like, 22-year-old white kid doing it? <laughs> In a lumber yard. In the lumber yard, going the wrong way. Not trying to break in, but trying to get out. I'm like, how do I get out? And he was just like, his jaw was open. It was like a... It was like a movie moment, and uh, I went out the front of the lumber yard, and I went around the long way to the subway, and I went on my date. I forget what happened at that point. Oh, my God. You probably but asked to use her shower. I was going <laughs> <laughs> to I, I needed to use the shower, and it was... At that time, I was working at Phoebe's Wine and Dine, which still exists, and I was, uh, and I would wait tables till four in the morning. And it was, it was a combination cop bar and Ooh. Chinese mafia bar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So you'd get these giant tables of Chinese mafia all drinking Hennessy, that's mm-hmm. all, and Heineken's, and then you'd have cops drinking like Budweisers more at the bar. Yeah. So one night I got tipped in cocaine by the Chinese mafia. <laughs> Holy shit. So I got a little baggie of cocaine. Yeah. And nice. so I went downstairs and I did some coke. Uh-huh. And it was like on my nose like oh, a cliche no. movie moment. Yeah, right. And I'm and I'm walking out <laughs> and then a couple cops walk in and see me with the coke on my nose. Oh my I'm going Oh my god. And and they kind of are like, all right. Like, <laughs> I'm in my dumb waiter's yeah. uniform. What are they going to do? The Chinese mafia is right there. Yeah. I know. I had I had the tong behind yes. me. You're they had to know. So then I would so I'd get off work at 4 a.m. and then I'd have to figure out like how am I going to get from there to the abandoned beer brewery. It just sounds like constant stress. Constant Con- stress. Cuz you're constantly trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I get a shower? How do I get home safely? How do I... But no one really talked about stress back then, yeah. even. Yeah. It's just kind of like you just survived. Right, yeah. People were just surviving, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, so I survived uh, New York in the 80s and the crack epidemic. And uh, uh, and then once I started getting some work and it got more into the 90s and cleaned up, then I got actual apartments and like, yeah. with, like, sheets Wow, and to- toilets? And toilets and, and showers, showers. Wow. toiletries. And you must have been really feeling coat so hangers good with and, the showers. Um, wow. Yeah, but you- uh, it, was a rough, it was a rough couple years. Yeah, wow, that's wild. 
Yeah. Do you ever think like those people see you on TV and are like, "Oh, I used to, I used to beat that guy up." <laughs> I almost gave oh, that guy that's a the guy I was injury. gay bashing on Seventh <laughs> Avenue. He's not gay. I said I hit him in the side of the head. <laughs> I thought yeah. I killed him. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I think I know why he's chasing bliss now. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were being yeah. chased. Yes. By teenagers, and now you're chasing bliss. Yeah. See, I did yeah, it again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I survived. And you look did. at me now, America. Look at you. Yeah. Thriving. Thriving. Not even. only surviving, you're thriving. That's thank right. You. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming and right? telling. This was fantastic. Good. So yes. many good stories. I, yes. hope, I hope this was good. I it was actually, perfect. I told some of these stories in my book, The Bassoon King, my comedic memoir. But I haven't been able to like really go into depth. This is the first time. Oh, good. First time I've Exclusive. gone really into depth on on some of these crazy misadventures of well, the late eighties. You should have your son listen to this so that when he goes off to college, he knows how good he has it. Or so he knows to look for that for that brewery. Yeah. So cheap rent. Oh, my dad used to live here. Oh, I, you know it's so fancy now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, like artists' little like. Oh yeah, Billy Corgan is living there. <laughs> like, you know he's what I insufferable, mean? right? Wait, and he's got a wine, you know, wine farm basement to table. or something. Oh yeah. yeah, it's like a farm to table restaurant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. you got to wait yeah. like two years to get a table, yeah. and yeah. you right. can't. Oh, we're not getting a table there. No. CBD bagels. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys, thanks for having that me on your awesome. incredible show. Thank Wish you. you the very best Thanks with so it. Much. Thank you so and, much. Uh, wow, this was such a delightful conversation. It was fantastic. And we will be right back with what did we learn today? Christine. Yes. Are you ready to learn what we learned today? Yeah. Okay. Whoa. We're going to learn a lot? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Rats only have four fingers on each front paw and lack opposable thumbs. Can you imagine how fucking scary they would be if they had opposable thumbs? Wait oh my you read the next line. They do have little... <laughs> Some like nubbins, however, <laughs> and nubbins. muscles in their palms help grip their food. Oh, that's cute. Sorry. I don't I, like the word nubbins. Nubbins. The, I don't like that. that Come here, there. nubbins. That's a good nickname for somebody you love. Plant ivy, palm trees, juniper bushes, and cypress trees attract rats. These plants and trees make wonderful homes for them. Oh, good for them. <laughs> Data provided by the United States Parachute. Parachute Association indicates that the total number of jumps or dives made in 2021 came to 3.57 million. Wow. That's a lot. Yes. When in doubt, whip it out. Famous stand-up comedians excluded. Thank you for that, Garen. <laughs> <laughs> Spread your legs and arch your back. Happy Pride, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Garen. He's been drinking his Celsius. Oh, yeah. Um, when falling thousands of feet to your almost certain death, clear your mind. Mm. Best time to do it. Yeah. Mm. When falling, you can steer yourself if you can remember how to do it. Good luck. Don't forget to add get strangled by shoot cords to your list of ways to die while skydiving. <laughs> uh, here's a good factoid. 1986 mm. was 37 years ago. I don't agree to that. I, I, I think it's wrong information. I don't agree to that <laughs> at all. All right. This is what we need. This is what we do. Um, what did I learn today for? Mm-hmm. Rap and Rodney is a comedy is a comedy album by American comedian da- da- Rodney Dangerfield, issued by RCA Records in 1983. Aside from the song, the rest of the album consists of live stand-up comedy under the titles Rodney Rappin' and Rodney Continues Rappin'. <laughs> 
<laughs> recorded live at Catch a Rising Star uh, in New York City. The song peaked at number 83 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. It soon earned Dangerfield a nomination for the Grammy Award for Best Comedy Recording. The song or the album? I guess the album. I did not realize that the song was from an album. That makes much more sense. Yeah. They just recorded it for for airplay, which is what I had assumed. Guys, it's it's sad that we're going to be away from each other yes. for a brief I know. time. It, it's, it's not sad it's for our weird. audience because they aren't going to know. Right. Assuming everything goes according to plan. Yes. We will have episodes every week yeah. and the bonus episodes. So you guys are not going to notice. Right. But, but we... we'll, we'll let you know when we're live again. I mean, not live, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Contemporary. You'll know when we're back because we'll be like, we're back. Yeah. And then you guys will be like, wait. We never missed we, you. We never missed you. What Give are you us a chance about? to miss you. Right. It is weird, like time travel-y. It is. We are time traveling this summer. Yeah. That's what we're, we're doing. We're a little time traveling. In the future yeah. right now. That's right. But the good news is we're going to collect so many interesting stories. Yes. And so it, you won't have to hear about rats again <laughs> yeah, from me. They're not going to probably involve rats. Hopefully. Although Hopefully. I am going to New York, so who you knows? You are. You might collect some rat stories for us. Yeah. Maybe you're going to go visit that brewery. See what it's like oh, yeah. now. Get the, see, get the info from Rain. Yeah, I'll see where Rain lived. So then you can see and you can tell him what it is now. Yeah. And um, Garen's going to just have some really epic, like, oh, man. partying oh, yeah. adventures. Yeah. He's going to get out of his place. Yeah. He's going to... Maybe start... Piles and piles of cocaine. He's going to do piles. He's going to smoke cocaine. I was going to suggest exercise. But maybe... <gasps> either way. I just meant maybe what about you could get into a good habit. That's a good idea. Hike either way and smoke cocaine. Yes, at the same time. That's how well we'll be able to hike. Yeah, yeah. You'll get so the energy. So much Celsius energy. just doesn't get it anymore. So you yeah. gotta it really doesn't. Mm-mm. Gotta it's flavor only at this point. Try the hard drugs. Yeah. So Needles, here I come. Well, what we want from you, Garen, <laughs> is we want you to live out loud. Oh, this sounds like something that like uh, Elizabeth Gilbert would say, right? Is she the eat, pray, love lady? Yeah, but she wrote a book called Big Magic. I think that's what it's called. And mm-hmm. it's very inspirational. And it's oh. very like, you got to live your life kind of stuff. I actually find it delightful. Oh, is it? Is it good? It is good. I'm oh, going to okay. bring it in for you. All right. But you want, I want you to live out loud, Garen. <laughs> okay? Please. Live like you have to come back and tell stories out loud. <laughs> live like you survived yes. a parachute crash. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. And a man fell on top of you. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Cute. Meet cute. Meet cute. <laughs> you both survived oh, he, with a lot I of injuries. I thought he was dead, but really, Ooh. he was more alive than I could ever imagine. Me. <laughs> it's not the it, cord. It turns into a porn. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys ever watch this documentary, Dogs? No. Mm-hmm. On Netflix? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Every episode is like about a special dog. It's really magical. You mean a special breed or a special specific dog? Both. Okay. One of them is like about this dog they train. They t- train these breeds of dogs to help people who have um, different kinds of um, epilepsy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They they give the dog to this girl who has a seizure disorder, and it's hard for her to control Aww. her seizures. And she gets it's a it's a big like labradoodle. And then this other episode is about this dog that every morning goes out on the lake, Lake Como, and fishes with his owner. Every morning really early. And then they come back with their catch and they cook it at the restaurant that night. And then the dog is in the restaurant. So cute. We're going to go to that restaurant. Are you oh. really? Yeah. I don't know if the dog's still alive because this, this, the, doc, the documentary is from like 2018 and the dog was kind of old then. Is the it supposed to be a good restaurant? The dog's name is Ice and he's, a, he's like a lab, like a yellow lab. And he Aww. sits he sits in the restaurant. And it's supposed to be a really good restaurant. Like they pan make all their own pasta. And oh my. So I was like, we have to go there. Can you do 
this might be asking too much. Is there something where Benjamin can like take a cooking class in Italy or something? That's what I'm. I, I'm gonna if we can stay like a couple days. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do something like that since he's so into like making yes. his own pasta and stuff. Yeah, and we weren't even supposed to go to Italy, but when I looked at the route back because mm-hmm. we're gonna, it's like you know, twenty hours coming back. Uh, we can take a little bit longer coming back and go through Italy. And I was like, oh, if we're going to go through Italy. Oh, wait, you're driving. Yeah. Okay. Instead of taking the train, Sven just now, likes. I've seen a lot of movies mm-hmm. where detours like that yeah. go horribly awry. <laughs> Do you think so, ever with us things would go horribly oh, awry? No. You don't know what kind of hill people you're going to run into. So don't <laughs> get Italian out of the car. hill people. <laughs> Well, if there are Italian Super hill polite. people, we will find them. <laughs> yeah, you Come will. Come on and have some spaghetti. We will oh. find them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that the goal is that this is going to be great. I, I think it's going to be it's fabulous. Gonna be but you guys know how Something it is. might happen. Do you have health? What do you do about health insurance when you're going overseas? I think our health insurance covers us. But okay. also Germany, luckily, covers Sven and the kids. Oh, because they're Germans. Because they're German. They have German citizenship. I, however, am, am fucked. You're, so yes. let's hope it's not me who gets hurt. Can mm. you get a dual citizenship since you're married? It's it doesn't work that way. It's hard to get sh- German citizenship. It's wow. they don't want you. Mm. They really are like we're good. So the kids have it only because their father was born there. Yeah. So they have it through birthright citizenship. So will their kids be able to have it? That I don't know. Just curious. Just curious. Is the world still going to be around then? No. Okay. So <laughs> we don't have to worry. Good. I see. I see my point. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> have a lovely summer, everyone, or hope you're having a lovely summer. We're all going to be checking in online and, yeah. and posting photos, not like gross photos of like, look at me in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Not that shit. No. But just like, we want to see you guys and keep connecting with you. And anyway, you're not going to know. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is very surreal. It is. So on next, until next time. Until next week. Remain, remain calm. calm.